Welcome to a new edition, a new series here on Politics Done Right, The Con, uh, featuring Patrick Lovell. Let me tell you, he is the producer of The Con. We are going to be exploring uh, the crash of 2008 and beyond. What is our fraudulent Economy, uh, economic system. So let's go ahead and get started. First of all, welcome to Politics Done Right, uh, Senor Patrick. How are you doing today? I'm well, and I'm a fan, Egberto. I appreciate you. I appreciate your efforts, and I appreciate your passion and commitment to, uh, you know, getting as much information and education and clarity uh, to a population desperately in need of it. Well, you know, I think we're that's what we all do uh, in this space, Patrick. I don't want I want to take no undue credit. I learned a lot from a lot of your work uh, in the con that you went ahead and presented. So I was just honored that uh, we we could come together and say we're going to offer a multi-part series to try to inform Americans as to this system that many believe is uh, is the only system possible. But at the same time, it has defrauded many. So why don't you introduce a little bit about where the con came, how the con came about and how where we're going to go from here? Well, I think today um, is as important as any day, considering the disaster that took place in East Palestine, Ohio, and the train wreck and the uh, subsequent cover ups and then all of the other questions that seem to be lingering regarding corporate influence, revolving door, what government responses, regulation, um, enforcement, all sorts of things that play into something that seemingly seems disparate from what you just introduced, but they're completely connected. Absolutely. Why is that, right? Well, we have created a system, a global system that's been evolving for some time. I know that there's a lot of uh, sentiment and directive uh, from a lot of what you f- highly focus on, as do many others. And they want to pinpoint capitalism as sort of the construct that we should be concerned with. I tend to take it from this perspective. Over the course of the last 40 years, we've created basically a neoliberal structure that has led to a predatory capitalism that is based on speculation. Now, when you unpack that statement, you actually have to understand systems, you have to understand geopolitics, you have to understand policy, but more importantly, and what's missing from the state of play in the United States, and it has really, I think, for the last two decades, is journalistic integrity and the details of how things work. Now, as we've seen in East Palestine, Ohio, most of mainstream media has ignored this story. Now they're starting to tip, tip, tip their toe in it. But you know, we in this day and age where we have so much information and we have so much misinformation or disinformation or just a lot of different people trying to espouse different aspects of something without a whole lot of understanding of the whole, you wind up with this fragmented, very confused time period that can't see the forest for the trees. And so what I hope hope that we can achieve in this dialogue and what we present here is absolute clarity to present to you another framing of what I consider to be the core of everything. It's not about the isms of socialism, capitalism, communism, and and the traditional ways that we think of 
pre-World War II, post-World War II, and all of the history that made all of those isms what they are. I'd like to pronounce that to me, and, and for those of you who really are about nuance or about uh, words having power, you, you might think of this as redundant. In fact, my partner, my colleagues, many of this uh, suggest that this is redundancy. But I think the system that we're going to explore and to expose to you in significant detail is corporate fascism undergirded by a criminal syndicate that uses predation as its tool to literally devour and destroy everything that we think is real. But the ultimate whodunit is, well, wouldn't that come to an end when the equilibrium, the balance, the structure derails, so to speak, staying within the analogy of uh, this disaster, this train disaster that says so much about our society? Well, you would think so. But actually, no. No. There lies the ultimate whodunit. Absolutely. So uh, before you, before I get into who are you, I want to um, pick up on your story on, on pa- uh, Palestine, Ohio. And just to let you know that we have a governor that goes out there and tells the people it's OK to drink your water. He tells your people that we've checked and, and I listened carefully to what he said in his speech. We are going to ch- we check the air in your home and it's all OK. Yet we have reporters going out there now that just go out and say there's something they smell in the air. Guess what? If they're smelling something in the air, that's the molecules in the air of whatever there is in the air. So one has to ask, what are they testing for? Secondly, uh, you can't say that you have dead fish in creeks and that somehow water is okay when we know that the waters in your aquifer, eventually much of it comes from the top down, uh, going ahead and filtering down. Yes, it takes a, a while, but filtering down into your aquifer. So this is the mess that uh, I think is it's far beyond Palestine because the aqueduct, or rather the the aquifers, know not where they start or end. So we'll see what comes from that. But anyhow, I just wanted to bring that up because that is the issue of this time right now that the media is just hopping on to somewhat. But I think they're still allowing many politicians to snow them by saying. Everything is fine. It's all good. We're pumping clean water around the dirty water. And the fish that you're seeing is dead. Uh, It may not be dead. And the plume is going. The plume is going. But anyway, Patrick Lovell. Who is Patrick Lovell? Well, I think a great segue to who I am is based on what you just said. So what we're dealing with in East Palestine, Ohio, um, in context of who I am and everything else, is this notion of everything that we are and what we're going to reveal to you in this segue. Financial capitalism built on predation that provides, shall we say, profit to shareholders that have destroyed the infrastructure. The point of all of this is it leads to a failed state, literally a failed state. You're an engineer from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So You come at it from the real logistical understanding of the nuts and bolts. Um, And uh, so you're quite adept to be able to understand what I'm saying isn't, you know, hyperbole. This is a, this is a feature of, of the system that we've created because where we start with this whole pattern from, and I'll answer your question, but 
what I learned, because I had to reconfigure my mind and everything that I understood our country to be after the 2008 great financial crisis, once I started pulling on a lot of threads, was that it led me to discover the three Ds, which are our reality, which is deregulation, desupervision, and decriminalization leads to a criminal state. And so who is Patrick Lovell? Well, Patrick Lovell is originally from Texas, just like where you're located. I was born in Austin. I grew up in Houston. My family, both my grandfather and my dad, were both uh, oil and gas men. And I understand Houston as an industry city. I understood as I grew up, ultimately, the, um, so we say, triangulation and the synergy between finance and ultimately what we saw between the oil industrial complex. And then, you know, many years later, a big, big interest by the military industrial state. Now, I always grew up really believing, particularly from a Texas sort of viewpoint, I kind of relished the power, if you will, of the city of Houston, for example. That to me was kind of like my worldview when I was growing up. But ultimately, my dad got downsized during the uh, 80s mergers and acquisitions era that was brought in by a lot of things that were happening in the SNL uh, era. Savings and loans debacle, yeah. Which many people in in in, in Texas will remember will remember, of course. But that was also tied to the Mike and Michael Milken era of junk bonds, mm-hmm. and ultimately what might be during this era's first phase of predation. And so as I grew and I ended up moving out west, and I ended up, you know, uh, the lifestyle in the mountains and a lot of a lot of other things gave me a different sort of perspective. You know, I started to have a, a bit of a different sort of end-all be-all in terms of ecosystems and equilibrium and things that are maybe less important than absolute my personal interest, so to speak, right? It's like cause-consequence, balance of power, separation of power. All of those things were something that was important to me because that's what I studied in college. But ultimately, I ended up becoming a producer in Hollywood. I worked for some of the biggest um, uh, studios that exist, and then I became independent And ultimately, because of what took place in the 2008 great financial crisis, I was always aware, Egberto, of how the world operated. I always was involved. I was never a sideline kind of guy, but I ultimately became an investigative journalist. And let me tell you, my life changed forever because that takes a lot of effort, time, commitment, resources, and it also takes a lot of patience. And as a result of that, we're now talking about this project that took us years to aggregate. Now, the con, tell us a little bit about the con and what we're going to be presenting. So in 2008, ultimately, um, as you may recall, we had a global economic crisis where literally the global machine was in a free fall. And it had become completely, I mean, it was the gears of the machine had completely come to a standstill. And it was during this transition between then President Bush, who created a whole lot of problems, that ultimately many of us thought we were going to be cleaning up with then incoming president who rode the populist wave of change we could believe in, which was a bit of a uh, platitude because you never really defined exactly what that change was. was, Right. You flip-flopped on a lot of things. But but ultimately, there was a lot of hope from people like me for somebody like Obama because I – happened to be going through. I was a successful producer at the time. I was working on a television show, ironically, giving away houses all over the country. And then all of a sudden, the world went upside down overnight. And I was into my first home with my young family, and things weren't adding up based on this experience. Now, 
the foreclosure process didn't hit Texas nearly as hard as it hit a lot of places around the country. It started in a significant way in the industrial Midwest, which we called the Rust Belt, affectionately. And then it hit the sun states and the sand states. It hit Florida. It hit Nevada. It hit Arizona. It hit California. And it was just significant. And the amount of foreclosures at that time period were unbelievable. And ironically, like I said, I was on a television show giving away houses around the country that ironically and unbeknownst to me was tied to this machine that was sinking rapidly. For example, we had executive producers that were out of the Seattle area that were big time commercial and residential developers flying around on G5s one day. And the next day they were literally bankrupt. And I couldn't believe my eyes because we're talking people that we thought were billionaires Uh bankrupt overnight. And we're like, well, what the hell is that? Next thing I know, here comes this cataclysmic economic tidal wave that takes me out of a six-figure job. And I was living in a nice home at the time, pretty big spend. I thought I could manage my stuff appropriately, but I would consider it the American Dream 101 at the time. But the next thing I know, I'm in this catastrophic like whitewash. And nothing made sense. And I started being involved with servicers and foreclosure mills and all of these different things that I didn't understand because I literally thought that when you got a loan, you got a loan from a bank like millions of other people and you paid off your your mortgage to a bank like the previous generations. And then eventually you have a mortgage burning uh, you know, party where you own your home and then you move on or at some point you sell it. And it, it, it um, you know, gains equity or you have equity, but it gains value because it, it that's appreciated in value for you got right. a capital gain. Yeah. Right. But instead, everything just went kablam, especially in the Western states, like I said, and in, in the sand states. And I started asking questions. One thing led to another because I am an entrepreneur. I was able to put together the funding with someone who decided to start asking the questions with me. And I'll never forget when they asked. Well, if you can figure out how we went from of buying for the people to of buying for the corporation, I'm in. And from that point forward, it was like I had to recontextualize my entire mind. I had to re-engineer my understanding of how I thought things work. But ultimately, the biggest who done it for me was, wait a second, is the law the law? And as it turns out, not remotely. Well, you know, we are going to cut into uh, a couple of snippets from uh, some of the great work you did on the con so people can get a flavor of some of the things that we're doing uh, that we're doing here. So take a look at this. I'm neither an economist or a scholar. I'm just an average American who lost my home and very nearly my family to foreclosure when the market imploded. And I've spent almost every day since trying to find out why. Once the dust settled, it quickly became clear that my story was no different than millions of other Americans. We all thought that we were alone. We all thought that we'd failed. But none of us really knew why. With a gun in her hand, Addie Polk apparently shot herself in the chest as deputies were knocking on her door with eviction papers in hand. This dramatic increase in mortgage fraud cases was the canary in the mine. It was the warning. This was money chasing people. This was not somebody looking for a loan. It was all designed to maximize profits for all of the different players. The person who sold you a loan made more money if they sold you a higher rate loan. 
they were sold a lot. They're selling to their very clients these loans that they know are a disaster. I lost my home, not because of money, because of fraud. I don't believe Addie Polk took out the mortgage on her home. I don't believe she signed any documents. They just generated all this junk, took home huge bonuses, and then when it collapsed, they said, oh, not us. This notion that the financial crisis was, there wasn't fraud and there wasn't crime, is absolutely wrong. It's deadly. They were targeting, in many cases, minorities. We were waiting for the leadership to say, go. That never happened. The investigation was suppressed. This was all part of the same puzzle that was falling apart. This is the largest conspiracy of lies in the history of the world. This investigation has just begun. It was just 2008, 2010, where there were entire streets that had foreclosure signs. You had millions of people asking for help on their loans to companies that had no interest in helping them. We were being lied to. City mortgage employees continually lied to us over the phone. When I asked them specific questions, they would never answer the questions. My husband had a spinal cord injury, rendering him paralyzed. So Wells Fargo offered us a loan modification. They didn't return phone calls. They provided me misinformation. People were being paid to lie to us, paid to disappear, and they never had any intention of helping us. Several employees from Bank of America were given Target and Best Buy gift cards for foreclosing on homeowners. These were just document bills that would just sign any piece of paper that was necessary in order to convince a judge to let him take the house. All of the documents that were signed by these robo-signers sit behind me. It's 39,000 and they're all fraudulent. These banks, they were a front. They were a front for a criminal enterprise. Our whole regulatory system was a failure when it came to this issue. The jury was kept from seeing my aunt's exculpatory evidence. The evidence that was pro-Barbara got shut out. I heard from a former chief justice, you know that the outcome is dependent upon where the judge believes he's been placed in the revenue stream who does him the biggest financial favors. So in other words, you're saying that they're bought off. At the time that I was running, I challenged my opponent not to take money from any banks that got government bailout money. And I did get a call from Washington telling me to be careful because there were a lot of people who got that money who were in my party. Where people can get away with stuff, they will. And the best place to get away with stuff is have a big corporation that's traded on the stock exchange that gives a lot of money to lobbyists and politicians and make it so complicated that nobody can ever figure out what the fuck you did. And you win. If there is an alarm to be sounded in the aftermath of 2008, it is when you have too much wealth and too few hands, the rule of law begins to collapse. All the Americans who are still out of work got low wages, huge student debts, underwater homes. All these problems are a direct result of the financial crash. The failure to rescue the American working and middle class in the Great Recession, that has set us on the trajectory to where we find ourselves today. 
is the fight between Main Street and Wall Street, between the big banks and real people. I'm not supposed to win. Borrower's not supposed to win. That is this game, is if you've got the money, you can make the law or you can buy the law. No individual faced any accountability for any of this. I have a new definition for the perfect crime. Perfect crime is a crime that involves everybody. Do you know what the American people would do if those leaders of those banks were indicted? It would send a message loud and clear that the game's over. And we let them off the hook. We let them off the hook. The only way it's going to change is the same way it was affected, which was millions of people have finally fucking had it. Okay, now, Patrick, um, this is our first episode. It's meant to just be an introduction for folks to understand what we're going to be bringing them. And yes, we're starting with the crash of 2008. But not, in as much as many believe that uh, things would have changed, that uh, some some form of grass Stiegley would have been corrected, and somehow we were go we were going to get out of the realm of leverage buying and uh, and 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 uh, credit default swaps that go to hell and derivatives that destroy. It's right back where we were, and I think later on in this series, you're going to point out that in a lot of instances, it's actually worse. Well, you asked the most pressing question, uh, and I came in, when I came into contact you, with you when you were quoting Bernie Sanders saying that Wall Street's business model is fraud. Mm -hmm. It is, and there's a way it works. You can't wave a magic wand and say fraud is one thing. You got to deconstruct it like a murder mystery because it murdered common sense, the law, and the American dream. It's the coup. That's what you call it, the coup d'état. And now we, we're having the coup d'état. And it never ended. And like you said, it's worse. If you just look at the numbers, I think we were up to, and let's put this into perspective real quick so your viewers, hopefully, their jaw can fall agape. So recently, Sam Bankman-Fried and the FTX debacle has been on display, I think, at the highest level. It was somewhere in the middle of a $9 billion hole in the, spread, in the, um, in the, um, in the balance sheets. What we're talking about here, folks, is somewhere in 2006, between 600 and 800 trillion dollars uh -huh. that destroyed the global economy. And as it turns out, right now, I think we're in the 1.4 quadrillion range mm -hmm. um, for the same derivatives. That's beyond debt. This is just simply derivatives. You know, like, like I've said all of the times, these are people that don't work. They just figure out and create instruments on paper. Well, we know it's inside of a computer now, but instruments that somehow gives the uh, gives a semblance of, of building worth and building wealth, but that's not what they do. Well, for this first episode, why don't you give me a closer, Patrick? Absolutely. So after you just saw those two trailers at uh, that you can find more information at our website at www.thecon.tv, what we're going to explore is what those two trailers tease, which are the details of all of the layers of what created, and like Egberto, this was what happens in, I guess, Engineering 101, you got to understand how the system works. Right. And so we're going to introduce to you from the, from, from, from the very basics all the way through the entire um, symmetry of this insane system of collusion, corruption, and betrayal 
that has deceived everyone and has absolute control of this country. Patrick Lovell, producer of The Con, and we are going to learn about The Con, and we're going to learn about what we must do to mitigate The Con. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics and Right. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. And I look forward to more. Thank you, Egberto. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.